Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Prison. Thinking the very end of all things in my life has come. But somewhere up the street and across the city, some people got in a house, and I don't know if they knelt down. I don't know if they laid on their face. I don't know if they walked and paced. Everybody has a different way of praying. But they made a prayer without ceasing unto God for him. Then there was a verse I was reading the other afternoon, and it just jumped out and kicked my mind, and I had not quite noticed it. I hope it affects you the same way that it affected me. It's First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort thee, therefore, that first of all, catch that, first of all, First of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Be made. There it is. Another prayer to be made for all men. Not second, not third, not fourth, but first of all. Now, there are 66 books that make up the Bible. 66. 39 of those are in the Old Testament. 27 of those are in the New Testament. And when the Bible opens up, it says, in the beginning. And I still think, and I've told you this, I had walked into McDonald's back before COVID. And uh, the gang of guys were over at one of the tables, as they generally always were in the morning. And, of course, the preacher walks in. And the one looked up, and it was the guy that had pin auto sales. He He was a neat guy, had a lot of humor. He looked at me, and everything got quiet, and he said, Preacher, which came first, the egg or the chicken? Oh, I said, in the beginning, God. Boy, it got quiet for a moment. The guys burst out laughing, and then Rick spoke up and said, and he's got a book to prove that. But you notice that little phrase, in the beginning, God? It wasn't mentioned in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. It doesn't say that in that final book of the New Testament, Revelation. It starts right out at the very beginning, and there's a message for us. God's first. There's a message. You need to get the message. Before everything else, before you do anything else, God's first. God's first. Is God first in your life? And we always ought to start out with God first. And uh, it's an acknowledgement when we pray first. Now, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes and maybe a few weeks. Prayer first. There was a church in another location. They were struggling. They were having problems. And their attendance had really fallen clear through the floor. Finances were down. They were struggling with their programs. And in desperation, the pastor sent out an email to all the board members. Everyone got an email from the pastor, said, meet at the church, we're meeting in the sanctuary, and we're doing it tonight. Every board member showed up, went into the sanctuary, and uh, the pastor said, I want to talk to you. He did something. 
He said, you need to hear what the stats are. And he read off the stats how we've gone south. The church is going to close if something doesn't happen. And men, let's gather around the altar. Men, we need to pray. And one board member gasped, my God, has it finally come to that? (laughs) And in reality, in reality, prayer ought to be our first, the very first thing we do. It ought to be our first response, not the last resort. We should have prayed to begin with, is what he's saying. We need to pray about decisions. We need to be praying about the things that we're going to do. You say, well, I'm going to apply for another job. No, no, no. You need to pray first. Well, I'm not happy with the school, and I'm going to move my kid from this school. No, no. You need to pray first. I'm thinking about changing churches. Here, let me give you a your membership, just a little humor. I'm thinking, no, before you do anything, you need to pray first. We're thinking about going into deep debt and buying, no, you need to pray first is what he's saying. And I believe there's a message that God wants to get to us, ladies and gentlemen, that you pray first. That's the message, pray first. You say, well, I'm going to work everything out. No, you need to simply pray first. You see, explanation comes on the other side of obedience. You don't have to always understand everything, but you need to obey God first. You pray first, and then you follow God and do what he's showing you to do. And when I read that little passage there in 1 Timothy about, first of all, supplication, prayer, intercession, and the giving of thanks, it really stood out to me. And it begins with supplications. What is supplication? It's what we call intense personal need. Now, does anybody in the house have an intense personal need, something that's pressing against your mind and pressing against your heart, something that is so strong that you're wrapped up about it? It's intense. It's a need. I suppose probably all of us. Well, he said the first thing you need to do is supplication, an intense need something that we bring before God. I think I'm going to see a counselor. No, before you do anything else, if it's intense, personal need, come to God with it. And second of all, he says prayers. What's a prayer? Prayer is the sincere desire of the heart. Prayer has nothing to do with how loud a noise you can make. Prayer has nothing to do with how long you can stretch it out. Prayer is not about how emotional we can get. Prayer's from the heart. It's a sincere desire of the heart. And man looks on the outward appearance. He's, he, he's uh, influenced by our loudness and our longness and, and uh, our emotions and our tears. But God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Prayer is a sincere desire of the heart. And then notice not only supplication, not only prayer, but intercession. Now, what is intercession? Intercession is when we're praying on behalf of somebody else. We intercede for them. Then he mentions the giving of thanks. That's expressing gratitude to God. It's not being grumpily hateful, but it's being humbly grateful. Now, the story I want to share with you is out of Acts chapter 12. Three simple things. First of all, God is looking. God's looking. What do you mean by that? Well, let me explain. If you begin to study here in this 12th chapter, there was a king named Herod. 
very wicked, insidious personality. Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. Now, you, you catch that. They, they bring his head in on a silver platter. His eyes are still open. Tradition says that Herodias, the uh, wife of Herod, he had stolen her from his brother Philip, incidentally, had Philip killed, and then he took the wife. And she didn't like the preaching of John the Baptist. And when they brought the head in, tradition says she opened the mouth, pulled the tongue out, and drove a knife through it and said, you'll never preach again. Herod's the one that had Christ crucified. Herod had James killed with a sword. Now, you understand who Herod is? And so he thought, I've, uh, I've killed John, and I've killed Christ, and I, I killed James. And it seemed to really please the Jews, and he liked working the crowd. So he had Peter thrown into jail. Now, think about this for a moment. If you're Simon Peter, and you're locked up down there in that prison, guard on both sides, chains on you, you're several wards back in, to, and they got all these doors to get out, I, I suppose you'd feel like all hope was gone. I mean, John the Baptist, forerunner of Jesus, was killed. God's own son is crucified. His own half-brother James destroyed with a sword. I imagine Simon Peter thought this is all over. There's no hope. And for a second or two, he's probably pretty concerned. And then at the very lowest point in Simon Peter's life, he found that God was watching. God saw all things. God was looking. And folk, at the very lowest point in your life, you need to know that God is looking in on that situation, and he cares. Oh, yes, he does. You say, well, I'm not sure. Yes, he does. He watches all things. Fact of the matter, I heard the story about this Catholic school, and the nuns had planned a picnic for all the kids and set out a big table, and at the picnic, on one end of the table, they placed apples. And they put a sign up, and the sign said, take only one apple, God is watching. At the other end of the table, it was piled high with delicious cookies. And a little boy got him a sign, and he wrote, eat all the delicious cookies you want, God's watching the apples. What he didn't know was Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord is in every place beholding the evil and the good. He didn't know 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He didn't understand that according to the Bible, God sees a sparrow when it falls to the ground according to Matthew 10, 29. And if God sees a little sparrow worth not even a penny and sees it fall to the ground, God sees what you're going through. And he sees the hurt and the disappointment in your life. He sees that you've got, you got problems at home. And the home is in disagreement. And life just doesn't seem to hold much happiness. And it doesn't grant you much of a future. Don't tell me that God doesn't know if he sees the sparrow. He's looking 
into your life and into your situation. And he was with Simon Peter. Fact of the matter, when Simon Peter got out of that prison and got out of that past and moved on with life, he never got over the fact that God was looking. How do you know that? I can prove it to you. Later on, in a little book that he had written, and in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. He saw that God was looking into the prison and he realized God's ear was hearing the prayers of that little crowd down there in that prayer meeting praying without ceasing for him. And he went on to say, and the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Here's what I'm trying to say, God's looking. But that's not all. You need to know that God is listening. God is tuned into us. He's listening. What do you mean? Where prayer was made without ceasing by the church, according to verses 6 and 7, and God miraculously delivered Peter from that prison. Here's the way it reads. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. I, I read that, and then I read 1 Timothy, and I knew I had to stop and hang around this thing for two or three or four weeks. And I want to really hammer this to you, this thing of prayer first. A prayer was made. And when you do it, first of all, pray. Now, we don't need a lot of trinkets, but uh, I didn't get to Bev in time, but I'm going to try to see if she can buy some of them little rubber bracelets that says, first of all, pray or prayer was made. Why? Because we need some reminders as a church for all of us in the days ahead to be praying. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, I've been around the church for a long time, and I really don't know how to pray. And if you were to call me to come up on that platform and to pray out loud, I, I would dissolve in my clothes. <laughs> well, let me say, if you really don't know how to pray, you're in good company. You kidding? No, I'm not kidding. You're in good company. Because the greatest Christian that ever lived outside of Christ, his name was the Apostle Paul, and he wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we don't know how to pray as we ought. We just don't know how to pray. We need some help in prayer. That's what he said. And then think about those 12 guys that ran around with Jesus for three years. They just traveled all over Israel with Christ. Slept outside, slept wherever they could find a place. They, they talked with him. They walked with him. They watched him. They uh, got up at about the same time. They, they, they were together three years. And here they come, those disciples said in Luke 11, teach us how to pray. They didn't know how. And they'd been around him all that time. They didn't say, teach us how to build a church. They didn't say, teach us how to preach uh, they didn't say teach us church growth they didn't say teach us how to worship they said would you teach us how to pray as John also taught his disciples teach us how to how to pray so I think over the next few weeks if, if God can help me at all and I need a lot of it and I know that's what you're thinking if I could talk about this thing of prayer and if 
it encouraged you and helped you to, in your prayer life, I think that's about the greatest thing I can give you as a pastor. First of all, prayer. You see, for without prayer, we don't have a prayer. Three little things I want you to quickly see and then I'll move on. God hears simple prayers. He said in Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be hurt for their much speaking. He's saying, just keep it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Because God said in Matthew 7, 11, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts, good things to them that ask him? I'm saying that God responds to Simple prayers, simple little prayer. Treat him like your best friend. You don't have to become a Shakespearean and go into these and the thous and the lines and all that stuff. And anyhow, when you're talking to him, you're really not talking to anybody else. So don't ask, did I do okay when I prayed? You're not, other folk are not supposed to be listening and you shouldn't be using them for your audience. We pray to him, make it simple. Could I also add, make it short. God hears Short prayers. I'm not saying every prayer has to be short, but I, I do say God hears short prayers. I can prove it. Here in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 30, Simon Peter, he saw the wind was getting boisterous. He's out there on the ship. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Now, he still holds the record for water walking. And I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. I'd rather try and fail than to fail to try. Our problem, some of us have never even gotten out of the boat yet, and we're critical of those that did. You're a leader if you're about three steps ahead but you're a target if you're about 10 or 20 steps ahead. Everybody's using your back for a target practice. If you do something nobody else, hey, you know what some of us around the church here need to do? Some of us need to get out of the boat, begin to do some things for God and the kingdom and the church that we've never done before. Peter got his eyes off the Lord, and when you do, you generally get into a lot of trouble. And he simply prayed the, one of the shortest prayers, Lord, save me. That's pretty brief. That's a short prayer. And guess what? The Lord reached out his hand and got a hold of him and lifted him up and saved him. Thief on the cross one day, he looked over. He's dying, and he said, remember me. Remember me. Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in my, in my kingdom in paradise. Luke 23. God hears Simple prayers, God hears short prayers, and may I also add, God hears sustained prayers. What do you mean by that? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Continued pray. Sustained pray. My very text said that Peter was in prison, and they, they made a prayer. Prayer was made without ceasing by the church unto God for him. They prayed and continued to pray. Wigglesworth said he never prayed more than 30 minutes. For he said, I never went longer than 20 minutes without prayer. <laughs> D.L. Moody said, I never prayed long prayers, but I never went long without prayer. 
Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, three times a day he had said that he prayed. He just prayed and kept praying and praying. Sometimes I think we need a little prayer reminders. I don't know if you have any. I, I was there at home last night, and it just hit me so strong. I said, Jan, come over here. I was standing by the edge of the bed. And she came over, and I grabbed her hand, and I began to pray for the Martins, for John and Patty and the loss of their boy, for the two sisters and the brother and all of the family and the farms out in that area. And I said, let's pray through the night. We need something to remind us. I think maybe you're on the phone and, and you're talking to somebody and you hang up and you just take that as a reminder. Lord, I just got off the phone with so-and-so and I'd like to pray a blessing on them. And God, would you speak to their heart today and would you be close to them? You get off the phone with somebody from the school and you just take time to pray for that teacher, that student. You're a housewife and you're folding clothes. That'd be a good reminder. Hey, this is my husband's trousers, God. I want to pray for my husband today that you brought into my life. And I love him, and he's working hard, and he loves me. And God, would you make this a special day? little prayer reminder. Does God answer our prayers? I promise you that he does. I promise you. God answers in four ways. Sometimes direct. I'm talking about Isaiah 65, 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. That's a pretty direct answer to prayer, isn't it? And then sometimes God answers are delayed. Maybe the timing's not right. Timing is very important. Sometimes God answers in a different way. We pray one way, but God knows that's not what is best, and he has something better in mind. Why didn't that circumstance work out, preacher? Because God knew that down the way, he could work things out better. And then sometimes, let me just stop on that while, while I'm there. Do you remember Mary and Martha? And you remember their brother Lazarus died? I mean, they had to put together a funeral. They buried the guy, and the pastor never even showed up. I mean, it's hard to get a good pastor. They're all about worthless. Never come when they should come. Never do anything right. Their crystal ball don't work, and they just don't know all things. And even though we never called and said a thing to them, they just don't show up. When I get out, I'm going to look out the door and see if the moving van's sitting out there. I'll get the hint. And... Uh, Jesus showed up, and he was late, and boy, they were frustrated with him, and one of them really told him off. She gave him a piece of her mind. That's why she didn't have much left. She said, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. But you know, he had something better in mind. They wanted a healing, but he needed to show them the resurrection. I'm the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. While I'm on that, some prayers are denied. We don't like that, do we? You ever hear of Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham? She said, boy, I'm glad God didn't answer every prayer I prayed. Because if he had, a, I'd have married the wrong man three different times. <laughs> God is looking. God is listening. May I also add and conclude with God is leading. 
When you can't see it, God is working. In Acts 12, prayer was made without ceasing. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. Now get this. God let a light shine in the prison. God let the chains fall off. And then God said, hey, get your shoes on. Get your coat on. You know what that tells me? God has a part, and you play a part. That's what it tells me. Without God, you cannot, and, and without us, he will not. Some of us need to get our sandals on. God's already doing the miracles. God's already doing great things in our life. Some of us need to get our... In other words, some of us need to find out what it is that God wants us to do and get busy doing it and not always talking about one day, someday I'm going to do something for God and the kingdom. And that's why we pray first. Then you know what to do. Pray first. And then the miracles happen. And look at verse 9. And he went out and followed him and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel but thought he had saw a vision. <laughs> then when he showed up at the house and they opened the door, it was in, they shut the door in his face. Thought it was a vision. And when they were past the first and the second war, they came under the iron gate. Boy, that jumped out at me, the iron gate. That leadeth under the city which opened to them of, his, of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from them. And I read that and I thought everybody's got an iron gate in their life. Everybody listening to me has an iron gate, that circumstance that you can't change, that situation that is beyond your ability to handle. You can't open it, but God can. There's nothing he can't handle. Now, I was reading in the book of Ezra the other day, and uh, Ezra was an Old Testament leader, and he took over, and the people were just, they were a mess. And it's kind of like a, they asked this guy, who was pulling the chain, said, why are you pulling that chain? He said, did you ever try to push one? <laughs> and Ezra was having trouble. People was going pagan. They were following other gods. And, and he got so frustrated in chapter 9, verse 3. You can look it up. I'm not making all this up. Part of it's true. <laughs> he got so frustrated that he said, I was about to pull my hair out. He came to that point of frustration. He was ready to throw up his hands, throw in the towel, and pull his hair out. But, he said, at evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having ripped my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees. What do you do when you feel like pulling your hair out? Get on your knees. That's what you need to do. That's what happened. And look, in chapter 10, verse 1, the people repented and turned back to God. Not after he pulled his hair out, but after he fell on his knees. So don't pull your hair out. You say, well, I'm frustrated. Nothing's happening. God's happening. God's looking. God's listening. God's leading. I've never told this story here. David Livingston, has anybody ever heard of that name, David Livingston? How many never heard of it? I just said it. This sermon's not lasting very long, is it? 
David Livingston was a missionary. I think he was from London. If he wasn't, he was from somewhere else. That's deep stuff. And uh, he felt called to go to Africa. He felt he needed to take the gospel to places that it had never been. He took a few men with him and they went into this part of Africa where no white man had ever gone and it was where tribes of headhunters lived. One night he said we were gathered around the campfire and he said we begin to sense movement in the brush of the trees around us. And he said somebody slipped in and knelt next to David Livingston and said you need to know that the headhunters have come. And, and the woods around us are surrounded with these headhunters and they plan to kill you tonight and kill all of us. They'll wait till right before dawn when it's the darkest and they'll catch us off guard while we're weary and sleepy. They're going to kill us. David Livingston did something very powerful. He prayed. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I prayed when I didn't know what else to do ought to be the first resort prayer first. And he prayed and said, God help us. God watch over us. God, I felt like I ought to come here and I know other missionaries have died and I don't know what the future holds, but I'm in your will if you would spare us. And dawn came and the sun rose and they were still alive and he couldn't understand it. A year later, he found that that chief of those headhunters had gotten converted. So he went and he talked with him. He said, I understand you've given your life to Christ and you've led your people to Christ. He said, I have. Well, he said, I was told that when my men and I were camping that you had brought your headhunters around us and you were going to kill us that night. He said, we were. Well, he said, why didn't you kill us? He said, just about the time we were ready to come out of the woods and do it, there were 47 warriors we counted. They had a sword in one hand and a light in the other. And he said, we didn't think we could overpower them. Those 47 warriors stood ahead and shoulders above all of us. So we backed away. From that first time when he was around that bonfire, three years passed and he was out doing deputation work. He was in Scotland at a church. And he told the story about how they had prayed and there were headhunters around them and how they had gotten converted and he found out later that they were going to kill him. And he said, I asked the chief, why didn't you? He said, because there were 47 warriors. We didn't think we could conquer them. They closed the service. One, one of the men there in that church in Scotland came up to him and he said, my name is such and such. And he said, uh, I happen to be the missionary men's prayer president. It's my responsibility to create interest in missions. And we meet monthly, sometimes weekly, and we pray. And we've prayed for you. And he said, uh, I've got a journal. I write down every prayer and every time we pray and what we were praying about and who was in the prayer meeting. He said, I'd like to know the date of when that took place that you were around that bonfire. And the headhunters were going to kill you and they saw the 47 warriors. 
He said it was January 14, 1856. And he turned in his prayer journal and he came to January 14, 1856 and said, here it is. Here's what happened that night. I came in and we were going to study the Bible a little bit and then have a short prayer. And I came in and my heart got so burdened that I turned to the men and said, let's not get the Bibles out and read them. I, I feel like we need to pray for the safety of David Livingston. And he said to Mr. Livingston, here's the names. All these men signed their names that prayed that night. He said, look at their names, count them. There's 47 men that pray for the safety of David Livingston thousands of miles away. And God raised up 47 warriors. Don't tell me that God doesn't hear prayer. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why God perhaps laid this thought on my mind and started me off on this preaching tour this next few weeks. But I want you to know that God is looking. You don't think he is, but he is. And God is listening. So you better get your, on your prayer bones and start praying because he's listening to see if you're praying. And I want you to know that God's leading. God's in charge of things. Things may turn around at your house and on your job and in your business and in your life and with your kids and with situations beyond anything you ever comprehend. If God could get Simon Peter out of that prison, get the lights on, chains fall off, soldiers drop away, door after door after door open, and then God opened an iron gate. God can open up the way for you too. But prayer, prayer was made. I don't know about you. I'm going to make some prayers up. I'm going to get some prayers going. There's situations in my life I'd like to see God open some iron gates. I want God to accomplish some plans. All he's waiting for is some of us to do our part. I'm going to get my prayer shoes on, get my prayer coat on. How many want to join me over the weeks ahead and make a prayer? First of all, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Father, we thank you. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's Pastor Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.